Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Somebody clap your hands and give God a shout. Give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be going to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and beginning in verse number 4. Hallelujah. Praise God. Feels good in the house of the Lord. Amen. For all those that are not able to join with us tonight, we thank you for staying home and we're all going to be joining you this weekend in the same way. Um, but we're going to just have revival. Amen. We're going to have revival. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Love that. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thine soul, with all thine might. And these words which I command thee this day should be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them. When thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, or when thou risest up, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. I want to I preach for a few moments on this subject. Revival starts at home. Revival starts at home. Would you sit down your Bibles and lift up your hands? Let's pray. Hallelujah. Come on, there's a revival that's coming to the land and to the world. And it's a revival of the home. Come on, let's love him. We give you praise tonight, Jesus. Pray, God, anoint your word, God. Anoint me to preach your word. Anoint us to hear your word, God. Hallelujah. Execute that which you have sent it forth to do, God. Let it not return void, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of God. Amen. I've been feeling to preach this for a while anyways, uh, but I think this is a good time in general, revival starts at home. As we study through the Bible, the first five books of the Bible, we will come to a book by the name of Deuteronomy. This is a second giving of the law that has already been mentioned, already been taught about to a previous generation. A generation that has come up out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, out and seen all the miracles we preached about a little bit on Sunday about how God got glory over the other deities of Egypt. And uh, this previous generation had seen it all. They'd seen water turned into blood. They'd seen frogs coming out of the river. They'd seen darkness. They'd seen the death of the firstborn. But when we come to the book of Deuteronomy, you're seeing a transition between one generation and another. They are now a second generation Pentecostal, if you will. They now are, are, are born into this. Now, there might be some from that, uh, from that generation that might have memories, some like Joshua and Caleb, 
But there, there's this new generation that were born in the wilderness that don't know what it's like to be in Egypt, that don't know what it's like to have a whip on their back. They don't know what it's like to have other burdens. And so they are hearing about God secondhand. They are hearing about miracles secondhand. They are hearing about all these other things. They, they have eaten manna probably their whole life. And, and the Bible would even say that God fed them with manna, but they didn't even know it. There is this generation that didn't know all the miracles of God, doesn't know all the provision of God, doesn't know all the ways of God that are being taught and commanded the law just like the previous generation. And can I just tell you here today that the Word of God does not change, it does not shift, not from one generation to another. It doesn't matter what generation, it doesn't matter what culture, you could fast forward this world 3,000 years, and if the Lord tarries, His Word will not change. It will not pass away. And what was taught to one generation, it'll be taught to the next generation. Amen. And so it's here that, that they're given a second reading or a second chance at hearing the law of God. Amen. Moses is letting them know in Deuteronomy chapter 5 is the reading or the re-giving of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Uh, this book will continue to go on and tell all the different laws. The Bible would call it the law of Moses. Even the first time that Moses went up the mountain, God wrote the laws, the Ten Commandments with his very fingers. Amen. God did all the work. But the second time, after Moses had broken it, Amen. It was Moses' job to hew out the stones. Amen. And, and, and it seems like Moses ran into a problem. Amen. When God did it, there was just 10. But when Moses got a hold of it, he just never stopped writing. There was 660-something laws. Amen. That's what happens when we don't keep the very laws that God gives to us. Amen. Now we've got to try to legislate morality, and we've got to try to come up with other ways to get people to abide by the simplicity of the book, the simplicity of the Word. Now there's got to be extra rules, extra laws, extra, amen, legalism and things like that. Amen. But, but it's here that he begins to tell them the Ten Commandments and the rest of the book. He will write the rest of the laws that have to do with, amen, some are dietary, some are, are civil, amen, depending on uh, the generation, the time they were living. There's different, there's ceremonial laws, amen. When somebody say we are not under the law, they need to understand that the law has three parts to it. It's not just, amen, one part. It's not like the whole thing was done away with. There's, yes, we don't abide by necessarily the, the civil laws of Israel because we don't live in Israel. We live in America, but uh, we do abide by certain things. We don't abide by ceremonial laws. We don't offer the blood of bulls and goats anymore because Jesus Christ has become our ultimate sacrifice. And somebody said amen. But it's here that he begins to give them the Ten Commandments. But when we get to chapter 6, it is the instructions on how to handle these commandments. It is the instruction to the people about what to do with these laws that have been given. And I want you to notice that these laws did not start in the temple. These laws did not start in the movable tabernacle. It was not in the Ark of the Covenant. It was not, amen, with the priests. It was not just a select few. But these laws that were given were given to all of Israel to abide by. 
Amen. And we get to Deuteronomy 6 and 4, and we read that, that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It is a reminder that the first and the greatest of all commandments uh, is that there is only one God. That will never change. That will never stop. Amen. But there is only one God. And then there is instruction on how to understand, how to handle and to understand that revelation that there's only one God. The Bible says that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Can I tell somebody here today that we believe there's one God, but our response to believing that there's one God is, is there is a love for that one God. And it doesn't just happen in part of our life. It doesn't just happen in some of our life, but it happens in every area of our life. Somebody Clap your hands and give him praise. Amen. These, these laws, these laws of this one God, you got to love them. you got to love them. Then he continues on to say these words which I command you this day should be in your heart. This word was not intended to just be an intellectual word. It's not just for those with a high IQ because the rest of us would be left out. This thing was for those that have heart. This thing was meant for those that can, amen, love his word. Amen. And this word that I command you should be in your heart. And he proceeds to tell them all of the places that these words should be manifested. Amen. It should start in the heart. Can I help somebody? Amen. The Bible says of the heart that it is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Amen. There's, there's, there's something about our heart. It will lie to us. Our feelings will lie to us. Our emotions will lie to us. There's other things that will happen in the heart. But when you get the word of God in your heart, like David would say, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. When you can get God's word in your heart, amen, thy word is truth. Amen, it doesn't matter how much your emotions lie to you. It doesn't matter how much your heart lies to you. Your feelings lie to you. When you put the truth of God's word in your heart, it will direct your paths. It will tell you the right way to go. Somebody praise him. Hallelujah. This word's got to be in your heart. And then... When it's in your heart, you should teach them diligently unto your children. This right here, amen, is, is important. Because the Word of God, the laws of God, the fact that God is one, it has to start in the previous generation's heart. And then it has to be manifested to the next generation. Before it can ever get into, amen, our next generation's heart, we've got to make sure it's in our heart. I don't have any kids yet, so I can't talk a whole lot about this. But I will tell you that I cannot expect my future children to love God with all their heart if they cannot see it represented in my life. Revival has got to start in your heart. It's got to start with you. And when it gets into you, it gets into your children. It gets into your grandchildren. It moves from one generation to another. It's transferable. you got to put it in here, and then it starts to manifest itself out there. The Word of God has got to be in your heart. And when it gets in your heart, you got to then teach it diligently unto your children. I love what it says. You've got to talk about it. 
when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you got to bind them for a sign upon your hand. And, when you, and they've got to be as, as like a little box, amen. It's got to be in your vision, the frontlets uh, between your eyes. And then you've got to write them on the posts of your house and on your gates. What is that saying? That as you walk into your house uh, or from your house, uh, you're going to see a reminder of the Word of God. What Word of God? The Word of God that you've already put in your heart. Uh, amen. Your kids and your grandkids and all future generations. Uh, amen. All the souls that will come into ARC as the years go on. Uh, the future generations of Pentecost uh, that will come and be saved, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, as we begin to etch it and engrave it, amen, into our heart and put it into our homes, amen. I want to tell you, when they come into this building, when we have the revival that God has promised to us, they're going to see the Word of God etched into every heart, etched into every mind. But guess where it started, honey? It started at home. It started when you were at your house, when no one else was around. Somebody clap your hands. Come on, let's love them for just a moment. Revival starts at home, church. It doesn't start in the building. It doesn't start in the tabernacle. It doesn't start in the tent. It doesn't start in the Ark of the Covenant. It doesn't start in the outer court, the inner court of the holiest of holies. It starts in the tent called your home. It starts in your house. God wanted the word of his, his word and, and these words which he was commanding to start in the home for a reason. Because your home is a spiritual place. Your home is a spiritual environment. I know some people would think, well, I do the dishes there. It's not very spiritual. Well, cleanliness is pretty spiritual in my book. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things. There's, there's, just, there's just something about the home. It's where we spend most of our time. It's where we spend most of our attention. Uh, the, the greatest inventions came from homes. They came from people that were in homes. They, 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 we think that, that the greatness comes from universities, but universities, amen, can't produce greatness. It's the home that produces greatness. What will create a generation that seeks and runs after God it's not going to be in some online thing. It's not going to be in some university. It's not going to be found in some secular thing. Amen. The greatness of our next generation is going to be found when we put the Word of God back in our home. If nothing good comes out of this season, I pray that God's Word would get back in homes, that TVs and entertainment would get out of the homes, and that God's Word would be put back in the homes. I pray that prayer would make its way back to the home. I pray that good things like fasting and love and family would start to make its way back into the home. Nobody becomes... Amen. Nobody really makes themselves spiritual at church. That's just what I would call religiosity. That's, that's self-righteous is what happens when you just do it at church. You're a hypocrite if you just do it at church. But what we learn at church is got to be manifested in the home. For what the Father sees in secret we've been teaching about, He rewards openly. The home is a spiritual place. The spiritual environment of the home, it can be manipulated for good or for evil. Amen. You, you can find that 
John 10 and 10, the Bible says that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Amen. The devil is like a thief, amen, a robber, a murderer. you got to watch out for home invaders. Sister Johnson told me about a home invasion that happened earlier this week. And it made me think about the fact that that is something that is happening, but not just in the physical. It happens in the spiritual. Amen. The devil is not, I, I, I think the devil does show up to church. There's precedent for that. He showed up to the synagogue. Amen. But I think that the devil will show up more likely in people's homes. Amen. When there's no preacher preaching to them, when there's nobody singing to them, when nobody else has got their, their arm around their shoulder and they're praying for them. I think the devil will show up in the middle of the midnight hour when you feel all alone and you feel like everything's collapsing in around you. I think it's at that moment that the devil shows up and he breaks breaks into your home. He breaks into your mind. He breaks into your heart. And he starts saying, let me steal your joy. Let me steal your peace. Let me steal everything that you got that was good from church on Sunday or on Wednesday. Let me try to come and steal it. If I can't steal it, I'll kill it. If I can't kill it, I'll destroy it. Whatever I can do. Amen. It can be used, this, this, this idea of the home, the devil will come. And he will try to invade the home, different avenues. Amen. You, you simply have to open up your phone and you can give the devil, the devil some avenues to come into your home. You can open and you, if hopefully you don't have one in your house, but you can have, amen, the television on. And you can open up, amen, the devil at avenue and a portal into your life and into your home. There's unclean things that we put in the home. Amen. Some people say, well, I don't think that really matters. Amen. I'll just put it in this back room and this back room over here. Amen. It won't really affect a whole lot. Let me just preach to somebody for a moment. There was a man by the name of Achan and Achan went into battle. He was a godly individual, but the Bible says he got a hold of some Babylonianish garments and some pieces of gold and silver. Amen. He took it from the battle. God said, no, that's mine. Amen. It was the first victory. Let me preach to somebody. It was the tithe of all the victories that God was about to give him in the land. But Achan said, no, I'm going to take this for myself. Amen. Achan decided that he was going to take it, but he didn't take it. Amen. And hide it out in the wilderness. No, because what he took from the battle, he brought it home. What was once owned by the enemy, he brought it into his house. And the Bible says he hid it under his tent. There's no biblical reference or evidence that his wife knew it was there, that his kids or his cattle or anybody else knew that there was something hidden in a part of his house. But the Bible says that they could not win a victory because somebody wasn't living right at home, that the church could not have victory because somebody wasn't having revival at home, that souls weren't being saved because somebody in the church couldn't allow themselves to have revival in their house. Amen. Can I preach to somebody? Revival doesn't start at the building. Revival starts at your house. It starts in your home. It starts in your living room. It starts in your bedroom. It starts in the, it doesn't matter what room of the house it's in. Revival starts right there. Would you lift up your hands? So let's pray for just a moment. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. I believe that God is going to get victory in this season, in the apostolic movement, and it's going to be a revival of the home. It's going to be a revival of the house.
Achan brought those things into his home, put it in part of his house. But you better believe that judgment came upon the entire house because your home is a spiritual place. And what you allow into your home affects the whole home. Amen. We got to keep our home clean spiritually. Too many, too many people have become addicted to different substances, whether pornography, drugs, alcohol, or other things of the sort, because a parent or a sibling had a secret stash somewhere. This is science, not just, not just, amen, logic, amen, and reason. The home has got to be a safe and holy place. It's a spiritual environment. Amen, I, I, I know that, that when I was younger, uh, I, I grew up in a, I didn't grow up in a saved home. And there were parties at our house. And I had my first, my first sip of alcohol by the age of six. And, and I can remember by the age of 11, I had my first tall beer. Uh, and, and this was something that monkey see, monkey do. It was normal. There were things that happened that were normal in my brain. And, and there were certain things that I got introduced to as a young man at home that I didn't get introduced to from the kids at school. I didn't get introduced to by other, other people, but I got introduced to them because they were in my house. We've got to make sure our home is holy, folks. We've got to make sure our home is holy. There, there are things, amen, that, that are, are now available that were not available years and years ago. You used to have to go to certain dens of iniquity and places, but now it can be on an iPhone. It can be on an iPad. It can be on a computer. There are access to things, amen, that people will get addicted in certain ways as a younger person, and it won't be starting. You can't blame somebody else. It started in the home. We've got to make sure the home is holy or we'll end up like a we'll lose an entire generation we'll lose an entire family we'll lose people because of this the Bible would tell us of a thing by the name of leprosy leprosy which is something that destroys the nervous system it was contagious it was so contagious that it would move from person to person amen and they think coronavirus is contagious leprosy is much more worse than that uh, leprosy didn't just transfer from animals to humans it didn't just transfer from humans to humans uh, but the Bible would say that leprosy could get in the very walls of a house uh, that if you ever got leprosy in your home uh, the can I preach to somebody? It was the priest that had to come by. It was the preacher with the word that had to come into your house and had to remove the stones and say, this right here is going to kill your family. Can I help somebody? Don't ever shut down a preacher that's telling you what's right. Let them tell you that can't be in your house. It'll ruin your family. Aiken, you got to remove all that junk. Amen. Even if it's hidden, even if no one else knows about it, you got to have revival in your house and get it out. Somebody lift up your hands and love him. Come on, let's love the Lord. Let's love the Lord. I'm almost done preaching. We gotta have revival at home. If there's anything in my house that's not pleasing before my God, I gotta get rid of it. I gotta have a revival in my house. Leprosy could get in the in the house. It could get in the people. It could get in the animals. It could get in the clothing. How we dress matters. Hallelujah. 
how we lived doesn't just, don't just show up to church looking all clean and that's a hypocrite right there. You look like everything's put together. You got to do it at home as well. You got to be holy at home. We got to... <laughs> I didn't think I'd get too many amens on that, but but it goes beyond. Amen. We've got modesty matters. Amen. Whether you're with church people or you're not. The way we live for God matters. The Bible would say that Rachel stole Laban's idol. That that word idols literally translates household idols. Because Laban had idols in his home. And Rachel grew fond of those idols. The things that we exalt in our home, they make a difference in the next generation. I don't exalt sports. I don't exalt Hollywood. I don't exalt entertainment. I don't exalt any other stuff. I don't want to exalt. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't exalt politics. Amen. There's going to be one thing that's exalted in my home, and that's going to be Jesus Christ. I can't afford, amen, for my love for certain things uh, to affect my wife. I can't allow that my, my, my love for certain things uh, to affect this church. I can't allow my love or my desire for certain things uh, to affect another generation. So my home's got to be holy. My home's got to be clean. And any idol that I've got in my house, it's got to go so no one else can take it home with them. Oh, somebody clap your hands and magnify him. But it is. We got to make sure that we're exalting the right things. And, and, and this is not my notes, but I might as well talk about it. What you talk about at home matters. How we communicate at home matters. It really does. Amen. I, I, I don't have time to run down church people at home. Come on. I don't have time to run down preachers in my home. I don't have, I, I've, got, I've got too much time talking about how are we going to win the world? How are we going to save our city? How can we? If you don't pray for them, don't talk about them. If, come on. If you don't hit your knees and pray for the person that you're talking about, you got to close your mouth. And if you pray for them, you won't open up your mouth and gossip. You won't open up your mouth to chew on them. The Bible would say that don't bite and devour one another. I don't have time. Amen. I, I, you could ask my wife. I don't have time to talk negatively about church people. You know what? In, when I was a saint in my church, I never one time talked negatively about my pastor. I never talk negative about my pastor. I never talk negative about his wife. I never talk negative about his kids. I never talk negative about the singers. I never talk negative about the musicians. I'm not trying to declare my holiness, but what I'm telling you, what's right. Amen. We've got to make sure that what we talk about at home is revival. What we talk about at home is the goodness of God. What we talk about at home. We don't talk about preachers. We don't talk about leaders. We pray for people. We love people. We lift each other up. We don't tear each other down. There's too many people that have forgotten the basics of Christianity. I didn't get saved to be lost. 
I didn't get saved to act like a heathen and just, amen, run everybody down and talk negative about people. I love people. I want to see people saved. Amen. And if that's not your heart's desire, you've got to get your home right. It, it's, it doesn't start in church. Amen. Gossip starts at home. The Bible talks about busy bodies that don't take care of their own home. And they go from house to house whispering, did you hear about this? Whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, text message, phone call, FaceTime, if you can't even get together, it's not time to gossip it's time to pray it's time to fast it's time to love we gotta make sure we're having a revival like that at home because if we start talking it can get real bad and it can get that leprosy into the home it can get that leprosy into the gen- next generation amen if you if you if you see a new convert please do not correct them i'm just pastoring here tonight if you see somebody new, don't correct them. Leave them alone. Hallelujah. If you see somebody that's new, don't tell them what's up. Don't correct them. You leave them alone. You let God work on them. And let me tell you what you will not do. <laughs> We're just having home church tonight. Hallelujah. You will not tell them what you don't like about the church. We don't have, if we want to have revival that God wants to give us, we can't be telling new people all the things. Well, I don't know about that. I don't really like that. You know, they do this, but I'm not a fan of it. Leave them alone. They're so excited to no longer be addicted to drugs. They're so excited. Amen. When I came to the church, I didn't care about sister so-and-so's whirly bird. What I cared about was the fact that there was a God that loved me that set me free. And I went and told all my friends. We don't need to be telling new people all the negatives. We need to be encouraging them, pray for them, love them. Anybody ever? I'm just having fun tonight. Why not? This is our last service in this building for a minute, so we might as well have fun. Hey, you know, I remember, anybody ever had this where you get a new job, and there's always that one employee that comes by, and he just he wants to be the first one to tell you all the bad things, how he hates the job, and and you're coming in excited because you got a raise and you left that previous job and you're just excited to be there and you barely got through orientation and you're just jumping and, and it's not even the coffee, it's just the excitement and they just come by and they go, ain't going to last long. <laughs> yep, wait till you really see what it's like around here. You want to know why you probably hate your job? You listen to that person. Where was the joy that when you first got hired? <laughs> It's the same thing when you get saved. Where's the joy of your salvation? David would say, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And when that joy is restored, he said, then will I teach sinners your ways. Amen. I would tell you, when we get past that negative, amen, communication, amen, we stop listening to the negative things and, and, and reading all the forums online and, and commenting and reposting and all those dumb things that this generation's wrapped up with. The minute we get rid of that and get away from that, the sooner that we can have revival in our homes and in our church. Oh, somebody clap your hands or lift up your hands. Let's magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's love him for just a moment. God, I, I want to I have good things in my home. I want to have positive things in my home. I don't want to let all that junk in my home, whether it's for, through social media or all that other junk, I want to have good things. The home's a spiritual place. It can be a spiritual place for good or for evil 
But I want to talk about for a few moments the areas that your home can be used for good. Amen. Exodus 12 and 4. The Bible says that when that plague of the death of the firstborn was coming upon them, that God told them to kill a lamb and to take the blood. And he didn't say put that blood on your kids. He didn't say put that blood on your family. But he said you take that blood and you put it on the doorposts. Because that doorpost, amen, what is being put on there, the blood of the lamb that is being put over your house, over your home. Guess what? How your home is, is going to affect your family. And he said, all I got to do is come by your house and I'll see the blood and I won't even come inside. I'll just pass right over. I'll see the blood of the lamb and I'll realize that you are saved and you are sanctified. When we allow the blood of Jesus to be over our homes, when we allow it to be on the post of our house and on our gates, when we allow it to be as frontlets between our eyes, when we bind it as a sign upon our hand, when we allow it to be there, when we rise up, when we lie down, when we come in, when we go out, everywhere we go, God's going to see the blood. He's going to pass over. And we will see the goodness of the Lord. Abraham, while he was, or I'm sorry, Moses, was coming on his way to deliver the children of Israel. And the Bible says that on his way, the Lord sought to kill him. That's in your Bible. He was going to deliver others, but God went about to kill Moses. But the Bible says his wife, Zipporah, she took her son and circumcised him. Amen. Moses was on his way to deliver a nation, but his household was not in order. His household was not delivered. His household was not saved. But somebody got a revelation. I've got to be in covenant with God. My house has got to be right. My house has got to be in order. And the Bible says the judgment that was going to fall on Moses because somebody got their house right. Somebody had revival at home. Amen. Before they ever made it to Israel. Before they ever made it to church. Before they ever made it to a prayer meeting. Somebody said right now, I'm going to get this right. And God spared Moses and through Moses delivered Israel. What am I preaching to you? If we can get it right at home, we'll have it right in church. If we can get it right at home, we'll have it right in church. If we have it right in church, our city will be saved. Our world will be saved. Somebody clap your hands and stand. Let's lift up our hands. Come on, let's love him. Come on. How we handle our home matters. We got to pray at home. We got to love God at home. We got to let the blood of Jesus and the Word of God flow freely in our home. The Bible would say of Abraham that he got all his household in covenant, even the servants. Jacob, after about four chapters, his wife stealing those household idols. Chapter 35, the Bible says that Jacob said, bring all your idols up. That's after his encounter with God. Because God will change you. And when God changes you, you go home and you grab all your idols and you throw them away. And the Bible says they buried them under the tree. They took all that junk and they got rid of it. The Bible says, amen, of a man by the name of Obed-Edom, that the ark of God had nowhere to go. And Obed-Edom said, you can have the ark of God in my house. 
And Obed-Edom had to move things out of the way so that God could be welcome in his home. I want my house to have revival. I want my home to be a place that God enjoys being at. And the Bible says of Obed-Edom that everything that he had was blessed. Every area of his life. Why? He got it right at home. Rahab invited the spies into her home. And out of all of Jericho, she was the only family saved. Jesus could heal anybody of anything, raise the dead, could open blind eyes, unlock deaf ears, make the mute to speak. He could make the lame to run and walk and leap. But only those that invited him in to their home got to see the revival that we read about in Mark chapter 2. They started coming to the house because Jesus, the Bible says it was noise abroad, that Jesus was in the house. What kind of revival would you attract into your life? What kind of blessings? What kind of miracles? What kind of good things, amen, would we attract, amen, if we allowed Jesus into our home. John chapter 2, it says that they were running out of wine and Mary, the mother of Jesus, came to him and said, they have no wine. And Jesus turned water into wine. But why? Because they invited Jesus to the wedding. They invited Jesus to their marriage. They invited Jesus to their home. Amen. Joy doesn't go away when you invite Jesus to your home. The party doesn't stop when you invite Jesus to your family, when you invite Jesus into your marriage. I want to tell you that we there, there, there's so many things that could be fixed that don't need counseling, that don't need a pill, that don't need a prescription. If we just say, Jesus, you're welcome in this place. The disciples went from house to house, and everywhere they were welcomed in, they would pray people through the Holy Ghost, and there would be entire households that were saved. Revival starts at home. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Tonight, we're going to have revival in the church. We're going to pray in the church. But in these next coming weeks, we are going to exalt God in our homes. In these next coming weeks, we're going to exalt the Word of God in our home. In these next coming weeks, we're going to exalt, amen, worship in our homes. We're going to exalt preaching and everything that comes with it in our homes. We're going to build altars in our homes. We're going to build prayer lives in our homes. And I'll finish with this. Acts chapter 2. They were all in one accord in one place. They were praying in an upper room. But that prayer meeting didn't just stay in the upper room. It filled all the house where they were seated. But it didn't just stay in the house. It moved its way into the streets, and 3,000 were added to the church. And people were getting the Holy Ghost in the streets. But where did it start? Let me help somebody for just a moment. What, what about the people that say, well, I don't control the home. I don't, I don't have control over this place that I'm living. I don't feel like, I want to tell you, if you pray, you have control over that home. If you worship, you have control over that home. I'll never forget, I was in my, I was in my apartment with my parents 
Amen. And, and, and they were fighting cops, came to our house just about every week. Amen. And uh, they'd come by and, and there'd be domestic violence, there'd be drug charges, you name it. I had it come to my house. Amen. But I'll never forget once I got saved and I was in my room. You know what I had? I had a Bible and I had a little cassette player. I didn't have very many preaching tapes. Now you can get on YouTube. You can get on Facebook. You can look, look at all sorts of stuff. There's great stuff live. Go ahead and get a hold of it and listen to it. There's great preachers out there giving devotionals and preaching. Amen. We're going to have more of that kind of stuff out from our church as well. But, but back then all I had was a Bible. All I had was this tape player. And I used to sit in that room and I'd read my Bible. And when I was done reading my Bible, I'd click on a preaching tape. But you know what was going on outside? There was yelling. There were things being thrown against walls. There were sirens. There were cops even busting down doors. But I made it up in my mind, I'm going to have a revival at home. I'm going to have a revival at home. Amen. It was in that moment and in that place, amen, that while there was fighting going on, I prayed and said, God, could you change the atmosphere in my home? God, could you shift it? Could you give me favor. I believe that you're more powerful than everything else that's going on out there. I believe that you are more powerful than the addictions that they're facing. And one night my dad came in my room and said, son, I want to know what you've been experiencing at your church. And it was in that room. What room? The room in a disordered household. Amen. Where, where it didn't seem like I had any control. But something drew him to that room and said, I want to know. And I didn't know very much of the Bible. But I just took a few verses that I learned that week and I said dad the Bible says right there you got to repent of your sins you got to be baptized in Jesus name and filled with the Holy Ghost and would you believe it my drug addict of a father amen come into that room that I've been praying that I've been reading my Bible that I've been listening to preaching he said I've been hearing the preaching I've been hearing your prayers I know you're in your room reading and not out with us watching television amen and he said I want to be baptized and we baptized him in Jesus' name, and he got the Holy Ghost. Revival starts at home. If you don't have the whole house, revival starts in your bedroom. If you don't have the whole room, revival starts on that little piece of carpet that you pray on every day. Would you lift up your hands? I'm done preaching. We're going to have revival. Church, we're going to have revival, but it's going to start in your house. It's going to start in your home. Come on right where you are. I want to have an altar call right where you are. Would you pray? If you've got to hit your knees and pray, God, help me to have revival in my home. If you've got to have church at home, so be it. Have revival at home. If you've got to have prayer meeting at home, have prayer meeting at home. But exalt God. Come on, let's, let's pray. I'm done preaching. That little room you're in, you can affect the entire house. That upper room you're in, you can affect the entire house. Come on, that little closet you pray in, you can affect the entire house. In the name of Jesus.